my kind of uh, journey was at the point when I realized PlanSnap was the thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, build the fastest way to get friends together. Um, it's very hard if you are technically minded, but not from a technical background, to find that, um, you know, a CTO, a technical partner to bring on to the team. And one, um, I realized that that was going to be a struggle and also raising investment was going to be a struggle um, not least because women only get 2% of venture capital worldwide, but also because you know, I wasn't ex-Google or something like that. I knew I could do it, but I still had to prove it to other people. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup U, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup U, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. This podcast is brought to you by Barclays Eagle Labs. National Network of Eagle Labs provides entrepreneurs, individuals, and ambitious businesses with the space, tools, and confidence to innovate and scale. Barclays offers co-working and office space, structured mentoring, events designed to help businesses grow, industry and corporate transformation, and access to new and emerging technologies. To date, they have 18 locations, helping 378 businesses with 1,380 co-workers. Go to labs.uk.barclays. So welcome to episode 103 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I welcome Louise Doherty, founder and CEO of PlanSnap, an app that lets you make social plans with friends in a snap. Well, I hope you've had an absolutely awesome start to 2019. Um, if you've either been rushed off your feet or you've taken the time to decompress, either way, you basically haven't finished making your plans for world domination in 2019, then I'm here to tell you that it's not too late. Um, started mine way before Christmas. Um, it's nearly three weeks in now, and I'm, I'm still not quite there. Um, so if it's of help, and I know it has been because I've had emails from people asking for the, the hard copies of my roadmap for 2019, um, then listen back to episode 100 as I talk you through my roadmap. And again, if you want a hard copy, then just email alexchisnell at startupu.co.uk um, and I'll send you one out. So awesome to know um, that it's helping some of you out there formulate your plans for 2019. Um, would be eternally grateful if you were able to uh, rate and review the show. Really easy to do on, on iTunes uh, via the app. Um, and again, if you're on your, your laptop as well via iTunes. So um, just means that the show goes out to a, a wider audience due to the, the algorithm that the iTunes rates and ranks show. So um, that would be massively appreciated. If you do one thing in 2019 for me, um, please leave a review for the show. So... Um, some people decide to screw it, just do it, and start their own business in an instant. Others are more measured, a little more circumspect, and take a little longer. Um, Louise took eight years from the moment she knew she wanted to run her own tech startup to her then finally quitting a job at a social media agency and launching a social planning app, PlanSnap. 
Louise cites a couple of things, uh, a lack of role models and, and also a lack of funding. It's two of the biggest things stopping women from starting their own businesses in particular. But coming from a family of encouraging small business owners herself, helped her massively as well as her first employer pledging to back her first efforts in business as well. Um, if you need help, then there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can get to where you want to be. Um, this podcast is obviously free and is a great source of, of inspiration and know-how uh, from those who've been before you. Other ways you can ditch, uh, we're helping you do that um, is a couple of things. So starting January the 23rd, we've got live Screw It, Just Do It shows in three locations in the UK, Bournemouth, London, and Manchester. We've also got masterclasses where we spend half a day um, talking about a subject that will help you um, build your business, grow your business. Um, next two months, we're talking about how to build a knockout brand. Um, and then spend a whole day on your business for our first ever spring training, um, which is going to be at Bournemouth University, April the 24th. So for all of those um, physical events where you can get to, to meet me and the entrepreneurs, been where you want to get to, you get to ask them your questions, get to interact with them, um, been massively successful over the last uh, two and a half, three years now. Um, all you need to do is go to startupu.co.uk, the events drop down box will show you the three meetups, four masterclasses, I've got a podcasting masterclass as well next week, and also our spring training. Um, so hope you'll be able to join us at one of those and kickstart your new year in the right fashion, um, helping you either get to where you want to be or get you closer to where you want to be. You might have already started on that journey. So um, without further ado, um, let's chat to Louise Doherty about her journey as an entrepreneur and launching her business, PlanSnap. Let's start up. I think I'd always known for a really long time that I wanted to start a business. Um, I trained as a journalist in originally, a broadcast journalist. And one of the things journalists have to do is to get up to speed on something they know nothing about uh, very, very quickly on a very tight deadline. And I think that's really good uh, grounding for both being curious about different opportunities, but also to, um, uh, you know, the skills that you kind of need to start a business. Mm -hmm. And so it was probably eight years before I started Sandsnap that I knew that I wanted to do that. I just wasn't quite sure of the right idea. I had a social media agency um, before PlanSnap, but it wasn't really kind of, um, you know, scalable revenue. And I think that that's when I realized it had to be a tech business and something that I was really, really passionate about. Okay. And, and when you, you start, because I started in journalism as well from uni, um, where were you? Like in, in London? Uh, I was at Nottingham Trent on the broadcast journalism course there, which was awesome. Ah, okay. I was in Cardiff, went into like BBC Radio Wales and... Uh meandering journey to where I am now but um so how, how long ago was that did you say eight years ago that you you, you completed that oh I'm not sure actually <laughs> yeah and and with regards to um the current business then with with PlanSnap do you want to tell us first of all um when you first came up with the idea what was the inspiration for that was it a single moment um or was it a bunch of events leading up to it so every friend friendship group I'll start that again. 
every friendship group has a um, a person inside that group who is responsible for uh, you know getting the group together, making sure that plans actually happen. They're mm-hmm. the sort of person that's always booking tickets and tables and you know kind of making sure we've got the postcode and what time to arrive. And if I'm being really honest, it's a totally thankless job. Nobody understands how much effort it takes to do that and how much of, you know, what skills you need to use from gathering all the different bits of data to kind of almost like project management and a little bit of psychology in there as well to understand what people are likely to say yes to and how to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And one day I was organizing a 30-person camping trip in the New Forest and I just snapped. I just thought, this is not the future. You know, we have all of these fancy apps and services for, you know, getting cars or films or hotels really quickly, but why has nobody put that technology to use for one of our most fundamental human needs, you know, friendship and human connection? Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough, we're, I'm based down in Bournemouth, just outside the New Forest, so I uh, know, know that area very well. <laughs> did, did the camping trip happen that you were organising? It did, yes. And we are also planning, now we're a team of five and, you know, the app is live in both the app stores. We've raised investment. You know, we're kind of well on our journey. We're actually planning to go back there as a team. Um, it awesome. was a, an inflatable assault course. in the Yes, I've been on it. I've been on it with my yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that was the thing that start, sparked PlanSnap. Was it really? Ah, no it way. Was. How funny. Um, and and did, that, did that happen um, in spite of, or, or before... Plans that you know with all of the obstacles of because I'm I, I fit exactly that criteria that, that we're talking about within the friendship group the person who who, who always organises whether it's just meeting down the pub or whether it's going on somebody's stag do but that's always me and as you say it, it's a pretty thankless job. It is yes that makes you the super planner that's what we would call them. Okay. Um, uh, but yes, so obviously this is before PlanSnap. So I use Doodle polls, WhatsApp groups. Um, Facebook events, email, hassling people in person. And mm. yeah, it was just a nightmare. I think it was a point when I was, you know, five columns deep into a spreadsheet that I thought, no way, this <laughs> is not the future. And and how long has um, Plants and That been going? So we officially launched five months ago now. And okay. um, in that time, it's been so exciting to see and hear about all of the fun things that people have been planning on our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had everything from weddings to, uh, you know, weekend trips away, like food, fitness, nightlife. Those are kind of the key things, particularly foods, because if you include brunch, and I definitely do, mm-hmm. there are four opportunities a day to eat with friends. So that's something that we're actually looking to um, make even faster on plans that. Okay. But yeah, I think there are certain things that really make the ups and downs of the startup journey worthwhile. And for me, it's when we get pictures of groups of friends saying, thank you so much, PlanSnap. You've helped us plan this, you know, film night or hiking trip. And that's what really um, makes my day. That's that's really great social proof, isn't it, to, um, to, to show that what you're doing, that what the mission was to start with is, is actually working and it's, it's, it's tangible and it's real. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other indication of that is when we have users say to us, I really love the app, but can it do this? And mm. that's really, really helpful because, you know, that's saying we're still using it despite the fact that you're still early in your journey. But I care about this enough to then take the time to write in and say, you know, please, can we help you make it better? Mm. And so that's what we do now. You know, all of our products and roadmap is based around talking to our power users. Um, and working out what it is that we can build for them to make it 
make plans to have the ultimate uh, planning app. And and does your background previously, you said, with regards to like a social media agency, is that has that helped you with regards to um, building a community and getting feedback from that community, and then literally going out and and giving them what they want, giving them those changes that they've asked for? I think so. Yeah. Before Plan Snap, I was a strategic marketer working with um, BBC, ASOS, Yosushi, and everything that I really enjoyed was where there was kind of some kind of innovative tech or digital product at the centre of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly with ASOS, I was doing things around setting up their influencer program, which is then scaled worldwide, um, where we'd kind of in, uh, issue challenges to influencers where they, you know, go off and they'd have special access to the brand or you know free clothes to review or selfie masterclasses, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's definitely something I want uh, Plantsnap to explore. And yes, I would absolutely draw on those skills. But to be honest, I actually think that um, more people from a journalism background should start businesses because the skills that you learn there are actually really important. So it's all about communicating in different ways, you know, whether that's to inform or persuade to different types of people. So, you know, the, the message about how you explain the business is different when you, or very slightly different, very tailored, whether that is employees, investors, customers, you know, other stakeholders that you bring on your journey, um, and being able to communicate that all really at the really early stage where you really don't have much to kind of explain why your big idea is going to take over the world. I think mm. that's one of the most um, important skills. So when I was at school, you know, doing public speaking and debating in my lunch times and everyone else was being cool and hanging out and smoking around the back of the bike shed. <laughs> I had no idea that that would come so uh, in such yeah, usefulness later on. I bet, I bet. Uh, and, and what kind of things have you done? Obviously, you, you are very early into the journey, but um, that can obviously make you quite quite lean and agile at the same time. So what kind of things are you, you looking to do to, um, to build a community that, that you've got? So um, the two kind of drivers of our growth are um, in products and then the community of our users outside of the product. So every time somebody invites someone to a plan, Mm -hmm. if they're inviting 25 people, that means that we have the opportunity to bring on 25 more users. And so everything that we do is about optimizing that flow to make sure that whether you're a planner or the invitee, that you have the best experience and you see the most of our value in that journey. Mm. Um, and then obviously to follow up afterwards to you know, convert that person from a, an invitee to a planner themselves. So that, you know, that is working and that will be a real driver of growth. But outside of that, obviously, bringing friends together, doing fun things with friends, that, that's huge scope for some really cool growth campaigns. And yeah, so I think ambassadors and influencers will be really key for us. Um, also, you know, events, we can do lots of fun competitions and partnerships with brands and venues. So there's, there's lots of exciting things in our future for growth, for sure. And, and I, as I understand it, you, you, you generated revenue um, pre-product as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so my, my kind of uh, journey was at the point when I realized PlanSnap was the thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to you know, build the fastest way to get friends together. Um, it's very hard if you are technically minded, but not from a technical background, to find that um, you know, a CTO, a technical partner to bring on to the team. Mm. And one, um, I realized that that was going to be a struggle and also raising investment was going to be a struggle, um, not least because women only get 2% of venture capital worldwide, but also because, you know, I wasn't ex-Google or something like that. I knew I could do it, but I still had to prove it to other people. Mm. Um, and so uh, the only thing I could think of was, well, you know, if I have sales before I actually have a product, then I can use that to fund the early development and, you know, kind of 
kickstart the, the momentum. And so I spent the first six months doing lots of user testing and prototyping, like endless scribbling and post-its um, to really refine down what it was that would solve the problem for both uh, like our users and also for consumer brands. Mm-hmm. And so I took the design for PlantMap to um, AB and Bev, who own Budweiser. Yeah. And he said to explain to them that there are no marketing tools that will allow you to bring people together for kind of casual social plans. You can't make person, uh, personalized plans at scale for your customers and your audience across uh, you know, social media. And so um, they became our first customer. So we signed that contract. And then because of that kind of strong commercial traction, even at a point when we didn't have an app, uh, or a product for them to use, and it would have been, you know, six months before they could. Um, we were able to uh, get onto the textiles program in New York, uh, Business Accelerator, which was both funding, um, you know, an opportunity to build the team and um, a really great experience all around. So that's, yeah, how we kind of kick-started the, the process. Very cool. And um, when you were building this, did you still have... A full-time job or were you, were you, did you go full-time into this kind of without, without a safety net? How, how did that work? I think I probably, because I'd already had my um, social media agency beforehand and also I was doing kind of, you know, consulting and freelancing, the, the step to kind of quit my job, although I really enjoyed the job I was doing before, it didn't feel as big a deal as it has for some other entrepreneurs I've spoken to since. You know, I knew that I would be okay. Um, I just didn't know exactly how. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think probably between deciding that I was going to quit my job and actually quitting was six months um, because I knew that I had to save up to make sure I had a good safety net. Mm-hmm. And then also um, I took a month off between leaving my job and properly starting plans up. And I just traveled and I knew that um, I wasn't going to be able to either have as much money to spend on traveling or have as much time to see uh, friends once I'd started the business. So I'm really glad I did that. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and tell me about what was the experience like with, with Techstars and, and how long uh, were you out there for? So Techstars is a, a three to four month program. Yeah. And uh, so we flew out to uh, New York and had the most amazing experience. The program is really good at taking early stage companies and you know, helping you round off your proposition and refine all the different skills that you need uh, to be able to run a high growth tech business. And, you know, loads of amazing things come from that. So, you know, our peer group of companies we went through with, we've kind of supported each other from all different locations around the world. And it's really nice to be able to go to New York or San Francisco or Amsterdam and, and hang out with somebody who knows your your company history, which is lovely. Yeah, it must be and super cool. And then the cool. second really important thing, I think, is that when there are so many companies out there competing for the attention of customers and investors and potential employees, being able to say that you're a Techstars company is really, really powerful. It is, it mm. sort of stops people in their tracks and says, okay, I know that there are a thousand people that applied for that program and that there were 10 spaces that it's harder to get into than Harper's and that they've got a history of producing companies that go on to be very successful. So I, I now have to take you seriously, even if I wasn't before. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy that inflection point in somebody's face when they realize. <laughs> and and uh, what, what points did you then um, look to raise money? Because um, I, I guess you must come to a decision as to how much this was going to take you to, to build that and you're going to need developers to, to help you do that. You're going to start needing to, to build a team and pulling those people together. Um, 
how, how was the experience with Crowdcube and how long did that take you to do? Because I speak to so many people and they said it's, it's almost like taking on another job, actually launching that campaign and, and being literally on it for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Yes. I, again, I think we were a bit of an advantage because my background is strategic marketing. So yeah. I really enjoyed in a strange kind of way the process of saying, okay, there's this gray area of how investment works over there. And typically companies like mine and people like me don't tend to be successful there. Or right. there's this highly structured process, which is just like running a big marketing campaign where it plays to my skill sets and typically companies like me and people like me tend to be successful. Um, so it, it was kind of a no-brainer in terms of doing crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, that is absolutely not to say that it was easy. Um, I think any investment process is going to be difficult and it's a, you, know, you have to speak to lots of people to find the right fit. And the crowdfunding process for us end-to-end took uh, two people six months to prepare all the documents, um, kind of do all the due diligence, get the assets that you need, so you know, a deck, business plan, um, killer video, all of the email templates, FAQs. I mean, it's, as you say, it is uh, another job. And yeah. the frustration for me was, although I really enjoy um, getting people as excited about PlantSnap and, you know, this the opportunity to bring people together in real life and have PlantSnap be the global go-to way to do that, I um, was frustrated that it kind of took us away from developing the product yeah. So you're in this really, really visible place where you are saying, here's everything we've achieved so far. And then the bit that people, the most tangible point of that is very difficult to actually improve over the time that you're running the investment campaign. Mm. So I always try and warn people about that, that you kind of have to take a bit of hit on product, but obviously it's to bring an investment to actually hire the right people and you know, put the right amount of resource. So it's ultimately worth it. I bet it is. And, and you did really well from it as well. Yeah, we went for um, £250,000 and we got £380,000. So again, that's another really nice validation point to say there are loads of people out there that feel this problem and are prepared to back us with cold, hard cash. So yeah, yeah. We, we love our investors and having such a, we've got 500 investors now and getting to know them and the skills that they can help and support us with has been fantastic. And I bet, again, it was kind of a no-brainer with regards to, to what the app actually does and, you know, all those communities of people who are organizing um, sociable events to then uh, build a tribe of followers, again, and have a lot of eyes on you whilst you're raising um, the money must have, again, been a no-brainer, really. Yeah, absolutely. It allowed us to hire our lead designer, uh, Lefki, who is absolutely fantastic. She's, um, you know, an incredible designer, but also a front-end developer as well. And she'd previously worked with our uh, CTO, so it just solidified our team. And from that point onwards, um, it really felt like we had all of the things in place to then um, really deliver on our kind of big, ambitious goals. And, and did you make uh, the app available in, in, in both stores at, at the same time or was that a staggered uh, integration? No, it was staggered. It's um, at the point where you're still trying to work out exactly what it is that makes your product indispensable to people. Mm. Um, having two different code bases or even just one code base with two different um, apps is actually quite difficult to manage. You know, just the testing process alone adds quite a lot on. So uh, we did iOS first. And then once we could see that, you know, people loved it and it was really working, that was then when we expanded across to Android. Okay. And, and, is there still nothing else like PlantSnap out there or is there, have you found anything 
that that you've come across uh, that's that's vaguely similar, um, but still makes you stand out from the crowd? No, and it's it's the craziest thing because to me it is the most obvious problem in the world that needs fixing. Yeah. But obviously, you know, there is every, people who start businesses come from different perspectives. They have different life experiences. They value different things. And in the early stages, like a lot of people are hesitant to talk about their idea. And I feel like this is one of the most difficult problems. And if, you know, the big social media companies with all of their wealth and resource, they still can't crack it, mm. then, um, you know, I, it's more helpful for me to, to go out and tell people what it is that we're doing because it means that they might actually be able to help us with it. So, yeah, in the time since I had the idea, nothing has, has taken the same approach. Um, it uses the same business model, solves the same problem in the same way. And I think the most fundamental thing is that nobody is thinking about it from a perspective of psychology, not technology. Like, how do we get people together? How does it happen in real life? Mm. And then how can technology support that process as opposed to, you know, how can I build a calendar app? Well, you don't start planning with your friends through a calendar app. That's not how, that's not how the real world works. So, yeah. uh, no, we're still really, really unique. Very, very interesting. Um, and how, how, did you, how did you go about attracting people um, to PlanStamp, how did they find out about it? And, and obviously your, your marketing background must have helped, but um, what kind of initial steps did you did you set out to do originally? Obviously you had the, the CrowdCube campaign as well, and you had backing from, from AB and Bev as well, but um, what kind of ways have you, have you literally those, those first few steps um, five months ago? So we, we really haven't spent any money on marketing at all. Um, which I guess is we want to grow really quickly, but actually not having artificial growth allows mm. us to see where the real growth is coming from and to focus on that. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's been really encouraging to see that we've had such growth without actually any spend on marketing. But I mean, the things that we have done have been um, uh, press. So we've had some really great pieces in, um, you know, the Evening Standard, Stylist Magazine, BBC, Sunday Times. Uh, all of that's been really great. And then we've re-promoted that on social media with some paid advertising just so that we can start to trial and understand different audiences that respond to Pound Snap. Yep. Um, but we, we really haven't spent much in that uh, region at all. I think what's been really effective is there's just been some of that kind of really um, hacky fun stuff like um, uh, stickering or flyering at events that other people have um, uh, set up so that we don't have to you know incur too much cost on that front. Mm. But ultimately, the... the Every single um, big technology that company that I've spoken to has said that the product is the thing that drives their marketing. Yeah. As in, you know, you, it doesn't matter. If the product is not intrinsically viral, it's very difficult and very expensive to acquire users one by one by one. Um, and in something where it is so intrinsically viral, that's the thing that we focus on most. And and something you mentioned earlier, which I find really interesting, is you know the fact that the, the, the space that you're in, if you've got that one person who, who's organising that event, but then you've got potentially, as you said, 20, 30 people um, also being part of that interaction gives you massive opportunity to, to grow uh, instead of a single user, but literally times 20, times 30, every single event that somebody organises. Absolutely, yeah. It's really, it must be really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I, you know, 
there are, as I mentioned, ups and downs uh, along the way. Um, times when you look around and go, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Such an incredible opportunity that we were about to get. Or times you think, oh God, it's all falling apart and I'm not quite sure how to put it back together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing that just keeps me going every day is that there is you know, nothing else out there that brings people together. This opportunity still exists even after you know the, the bit of time that we've been working on it. Mm. And um, you know, it's kind of set against the backdrop of the bigger technology platforms are losing the trust of their users and they're using business models which don't align with the kind of the intents and actions of their users. And then, uh, you know, loneliness, arguably induced by technology, yeah. is absolutely a public health epidemic. Mm. And, you know, the government has just set up like a loneliness star um, uh, to be able to be responsible for that kind of stuff. And I think you're really starting to see um, a shift in the way that people approach technology products. And there's a revolution, I guess, of um, products that are called calm tech and products that are anxiety tech. And Facebook, with its red notifications, a slant, like a slanty, pointy angle to grab your attention, um, forcing you to, you know, post updates because all your friends haven't heard from you. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff is, um, I think, it's the, the the methods of the past. Mm. Whereas Pantsnap, something is actually about driving people together in real life to spend time with your real friends um, is part of this kind of new wave of calm technology. And I think we'll see more and more of that kind of stuff coming through. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting now having uh, a daughter a, aged 11, having her first phone because she's starting high school and it you know means the, the, the original premise is that we could track her going to and from, you know, walking to and from school on, on our own phones. Um, and then... Um, them being a slave to the notifications from, you know, all of the friends, uh, you know, every time it chimes, her having to run back to the phone. And it's just that, I suppose, an immature mind that's maturing very rapidly, but knowing what I'm like now and being able to, you know, switch off those notifications and not feel every time something pings up that I have to reply to it immediately or post an update about it. Um, I really like that. As you say, anxiety driven technology. I can, I can a hundred percent relate to that now. Yeah. It's not the future. No. We need to be designing better products that work with our lives, that technology supports our lives, not battles against it. Mm, absolutely. Um, well, what's the? Um, tell me again. So it's in in both um, app stores. Easiest way for people to um, to find out more about PlanSnap to, to download it or possibly uh, connect with you yourself, Louise. Yes, absolutely. I'm on social media. I'm always happy to answer people's questions about uh, business building. And yes, PlanSnap is available in both app stores and also on the web. You don't have to have the app to um, make fans uh, with friends. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. So a couple of takeaways that uh, piqued my interest there. Um, firstly, the use of ambassadors and influencers. Clearly um, something that's been done before very successfully by lots of big brand name companies, be that a Red Bull, um, be that an Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, whoever. Uh, and obviously influencer marketing has become incredibly popular over the last couple of years. She's done it in a brilliant way because she's, it's, it's a social application, so clearly people are enjoying um, getting together um, using the product that she's providing, using the service that she's providing. So just want you to 
think about how you can leverage that within your own business. I know it's one of the things that's been on my agenda for a while and I haven't spent any time um, looking into it, but I would love to have Screw It, Just Do It ambassadors, um, likewise influencers out there, um, getting more people to, to listen to the podcast, coming to the live events and essentially inspiring more people to Screw It, Just Do It, start, grow business and, and love what they do. So any thoughts on that, drop me an email, alex at startupu.co.uk. Um, would love to know how you're crushing it with ambassadors and influences in your business. Um, co-founder um, as a CTO, again, I think those of you who've listened to the show for a while, lots of great examples of people who've managed to get co-founder um, and help them really grow the business, leverage a different set of skills um, and tap into that and something that I found really really interesting was, was getting sales before investment um, really rare to hear that um, and it sounds like she's done it in a really interesting way and it's clearly led to rapid growth of the business um, see so many examples through another part of, of, of what I do um, sister company is Startup U, which provides Virgin Startup support, funding, mentoring to entrepreneurs who've been um, um, who are less than two years in business, basically. And so many of them are, I'd say 99.99% are, are looking for investment before any sales whatsoever. Um, so Again, just to get you thinking outside the box, how you can generate sales if, if you're at a similar stage of business um, and you're looking for investment, how you might be able to do that. So um, some food for thought. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that episode. I hope you're having a great start to 2019. We'd love to see you at one of our live events and we'd love to hear from you um, how you're enjoying the show through the uh, review and ratings app on iTunes as well. So um, look forward to catching up with you all again next week. Have a great week. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK, pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup You community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup You Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally it's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. 
And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe. And I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it. Just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.